Hello, I'm Darius McDermott from Fund Calibre, and this is the Investing on the Go podcast. This morning, I'm joined by Stephen Yu, the manager of the Blue Well Growth Fund, which has its third anniversary this week. Firstly, congratulations, Stephen. Um, three years is, is, is a big benchmark in, in the life of a fund. Um, it's been an interesting three years, to put it mildly. What have been your highs and lows over that period? Thank you, Darius. Uh, yeah, I would love to expand a bit more. So when we first started three years ago in 2017, uh, obviously we started with very, very small sum of money. And, but what was, what has been quite interesting over the last three years is we've gone, we have been through many different mini cycles over the last three years. If you, if people now recall back in 2018, the Fed was raising interest rates in Q4 and the market was down. Uh, a couple of percent and we did, I mean, really well, we did manage to deliver a positive return in 2018. And then obviously in 2019, it seems to be quite a distant memory now that the market was very strong. Everything went up. Well, did outperform again, and then and then this year we have the COVID. The market was very volatile at the beginning of the year, and and we did still manage to outperform the market in a positive manner this year. So so we just feel that these three years has gone on for quite long, rather than just the normal three years that maybe in other other market conditions that we could have experienced. Yeah, it really has been a. Um I suppose one would describe it as a crazy period um, for life as well as investing. One of the things you, you look at when um, picking a stock for the fund is, is disruption, either how a company can disrupt it or how it can disrupt other firms. And you, how does that sort of feed into your process? And have your views um, on these things been changed by the pandemic or what, what, what consequences have you seen in stocks? Yeah, so on a high level, we like high quality businesses with a very strong competitive positioning. And typically that means that the, mark, the company would have a very strong market share in terms of what they do, a very good product with pricing power, etc. But from time to time with uh, the rise of technology or penetration of technology into the consumer hands, like you would see a lot of new startups coming into the market to disrupt the status quo or the incumbents. And so for the company that we have, most of our company are disrupted in their own right. So they are kind of the pioneer in terms of what they do. They, they have the latest technology in terms of the product they then roll out. They have to scale, et cetera. But at the same time, that's from time to time, we could see our company getting disrupted from some of the new, more newer company. So I think the key for us is to really to monitor, to stay on top of the development and make sure that our company doesn't get disrupted at the same time. But to answer your question in terms of what the pandemic has done uh, to a lot of other companies is, I think firstly, for the company that we have who are, who already started off as a disruptor, they, is actually a, they are actually a net beneficiary on the back of the COVID because they have now become, they, they have now elevated to a much stronger position that people, other companies would be more difficult to catch up. But I think on the other hand, that there are many sectors of businesses in the market that were being disrupted before the pandemic. And obviously now with the pandemic, that has become a more headwind for them to invest into their business for the next stage. And, and what we have learned is I think the gap has basically widened quite a lot over the last uh, six months or nine months. You mentioned high quality companies, uh, you know, businesses that can have sustainable growth in their earnings and they're innovative. 
this um, has naturally led you to a bias in technology. So I thought it might be useful to, to touch on that maybe in a little bit more detail. You had a, a big technology waiting at launch, but um, an even bigger technology waiting now, sort of approximately 60%. Is it just because the performance of those companies has done so well that you've got a big waiting or ha have you seen new opportunities in, in that sector? So we are at Blue, where we are sector and company and North State or country and North State as well. So we don't we don't take a top down view to say, oh, we want to have a certain level of exposure to the U.S. We want to have certain exposure to our technology sector per se. And but what we do is we we're bottom up investors. We do a lot of research, a lot of reading on companies. And since we started in 2017, obviously the market or, or maybe the economy was in a kind of different state compared to now. But at the time, we were also interested in companies that are outside of tech, let's say maybe consumer facing, maybe some brands such as Adidas. For example, we had a top 10 holding in Adidas for quite a long period of time until last year. We did quite well out of that. But then the more we learned about technology business, that we we managed to find much higher quality business within the technology space. For example, I think one area that we have been quite positive on would be the software provider. So two companies that will give you, one is Adobe, another one is Autodesk. Both of them are technology per se. But then if you look at the underlying customers that they serve, Adobe serve the creative professional in terms of digital content creation, while Autodesk serve customers uh, in the manufacturing and construction markets. So the beauty of these two businesses are, are that they, because they are both a uh, software provider, they are the market leader, but at the same time, they have a, a recurring revenue stream. And hence this year, I think we have, they have proven themselves that they have managed to, to cope with COVID much better than a lot of other companies who are not having that technology or the platform to sell to their customers. Just sticking with technology, because it's obviously with COVID been a, a very topical sector and very buoyant on the stock market and certainly, well, till the last 24, 48 hours anyway. How, what, how do you define technology? To you, it's more than just a sector. And investors, you know, I think technology is such a wide definition. How do you define it? And talk about maybe some of the companies that you actually would avoid in that space and why that is. Yeah, thank you for that. I, I think this is quite a important question that we have tried to, basically we have definitely at Bluewell, we have done well over the last 18 months on the back of this, probably uh, a lot of investors recognizing the opportunity in technology, but we have always said um, that we are not a technology fund and, and we are very selective in terms of what we like and don't like within the technology sector and things that we don't like would be company that doesn't have a strong competitive positioning, the switching cost is very low and, and names would be uh, the likes of the Zoom uh, video uh, conferencing uh, company that have done extremely well. I mean, we would not touch it because we don't feel that the uh, by the time they need to ask company or consumer to pay for the service that people would be willing to do that. I mean, we would never consider uh, like Uber, Peloton as high quality businesses. And then I think to the extreme, like we also dislike the, uh, the likes of Netflix or Apple, which we feel Netflix 
they are in a market that's very competitive in terms of uh, paying up for content continuously versus a lot of other giants like YouTube, uh, Amazon Prime, uh, HBO, etc. And at the same time, Apple, while yes, I, I think I can see the investment case for Apple if you're you can buy at a very attractive price a few years ago, but then it's still a hardware company trying to evolve into a software or services provider. And so at the moment, I think they have their, uh, their press release, uh, product release next week, then people will be looking at Apple. Are you going to come up with a new product that the consumer like us are willing to spend the next few hundred dollars or a few, few uh, I mean, a thousand pounds for the new iPhone. And if yeah. you're not, that happy, then, then they're not going to have the services that they, they, they think that they're going to get from us. Another thing, just looking at your portfolio, and given we've already touched on technology, I think some of this is sort of obvious, but you, you have a, a big chunk invested in the US uh, and some in Europe as well, but only, only a couple of percent in Asia. Um, why is that? Are we not able to find those um, high quality companies in Asia or is there a valuation or what, what, what's the issue there? I, yeah, I, th- I think it's a bit of uh, both. And so I, I, in my previous career, I have done quite a lot of work on uh, Chinese companies listed in Hong Kong, companies in Asia, and I, I do speak the language myself. But I think the, the, mo- the, the all the work that have that I've done in the past have led me to to the conclusion that the quality of the business in general in Asia are much lower than you can find in the Western world. And if two things I would point out in terms of how we perform analysis, one would be uh, corporate governance. Typically, the corporate governance in Asia, Asian companies are lower. And then secondly, transparency is also low, lower, So, which means that it's quite difficult to get to the bottom of how businesses make money uh, when, when you're not listed in the Western world. And, and I think at the end of the day, for us at the moment uh, at Bluewell, we do see a lot of interesting opportunities in the US and we feel that the quality bar that we set uh, for our companies are pretty high and those are meeting. And then, but then last but not least, the valuation of some of the companies that we have seen in Asia, let's say even technology alike uh, to the counterparts in the US, they are not that cheap. So, so basically for us to be interested in Asian companies, they probably would need to be trading at a big discount to the Western counterpart rather than on the right. same valuation. So if they're trading at the same valuation, they are a bit lower quality. So that would be expensive in our view. And that then leads you back to the developed market equivalent um, because of the corporate governance. So we, 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 we've touched on briefly the, the fact that you, you've launched your fund and we've, as you said, been through many cycles. How do you um, look forward for, for, for maybe the next three years? What do you think? Um, we might have in store and what is exciting you, what themes, um, what, 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 what is your research and your reading taking to you? What, what, what are you looking at for, for maybe the three years ahead, given that with COVID um, I'll do the disclaimer for you, everything can and possibly will change. Um, but h- how do you see the world going forward today and what's interesting you? Yeah, I, I think obviously, I mean, we, we are constantly forward looking in terms of when we think about the portfolio. So we, I think you, you already mentioned that three years ago when we first started, our exposure to technology related names are at a much smaller position compared to 
recently. So that has evolved. And I think for us, it's all about the valuation of our companies relative to the rest of the market. And, if, and, and I think the COVID definitely had posed to some interesting opportunities maybe over the next 12 to 18 months and we are already looking they they definitely are they are they are probably the the uh, the victim of the covid they have suffered but then a lot of those businesses they could definitely revive given enough time to make the transition to the new world and obviously it's all about valuation if the valuation become right then we will be very interested to consider those opportunities but i think at the same time that we we do feel that for the companies that we have in the fund they are still at a very early stage in terms of the opportunity set that they can grab from the market given given the the, the pace has been accelerated by COVID. That some company talk about that COVID has basically accelerated the digital 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 transformation uh for the next two years in two months. So so that's a lot of opportunity in the space as well. But we're constantly looking for new ideas. And I would be very surprised three years from today our portfolio would be the same as what we are what we have today. Stephen, thank you very much for your time. And as I say, congratulations on uh, touching your third anniversary later this week. Thank you, Darius. For more information on the Bluewell Growth Fund, please visit fundcaliber.com. And to subscribe on the Investing on the Go podcast, also please subscribe at fundcaliber.com. Please remember, we've been discussing individual stocks to bring investing to life for you. It is not a recommendation to buy or sell. The fund may or may not still hold these stocks at the time of listening. Mm-hmm.